Let's take our Bibles, go to the book of Revelation. We'll start out in chapter number 2, Revelation chapter number 2. While you're turning in your Bible, I've got a couple of stories that I want to tell that are kind of, I'm sure that all of you, your families growing up, and uh, you probably have stories that are told over and over again because they're just so funny. And uh, my family um, out in Idaho, we all like to laugh. Uh, usually, uh, most of our laughing was at one another's expense. Uh, that was just the way that our family worked, and uh, we had a couple stories. This one particular story, I'll pick on my niece just a little bit. Actually, both of these involved uh, one of my nieces and uh, and a couple of my nephews, but um, we were moving into an old farmhouse in Emmett, Idaho, that really needed to be remodeled. And uh, my mom and dad, it just seemed like we were they were always finding a place to rent that required a lot of work. And so this one particular house we're in and we're painting walls and I'm painting over on one wall, my mom's painting on another wall. And uh, my nephew, Matt, and his sister, my niece, Megan, they happened to be there and they were really young, too young to, to be helping with the painting and so forth. So they're sitting in the middle of the floor and Matt has one of the few chairs. We hadn't moved in yet and so we didn't have any furniture in the house. Matt has one of the few chairs that's in the house, and so he's sitting in the chair, and my niece Megan is sitting in the floor, and she's coloring in a coloring book. And so my nephew Matt says, Megan, or he says, Meg, no chair for you. And Megan's coloring. She's not paying attention. She says, huh? Meg, no chair for you. Huh? Meg, no chair for you. Huh? Meg, no ch- about that time, my mom, who's painting, she says, oh, just shut up. <laughs> now, you had to be there. I was there, and it was really quite funny, and we have told that story just time and time again. The other story that involved my niece, Megan, is, and I was not at this one, but I knew my nephews, I know my nephews and nieces so well that I can envision this so much, it's as if I was there. They were uh, playing my um, my brother, uh, my sister and brother-in-law had a, one of those older pop-up tent trailers, and I don't know what Marcus was doing on the top of this trailer, but I think they were working on it or something, and so he's on top of it, and he's scooted up to the edge, and he's getting ready to jump down, and he says, Megan, don't open the door. And so she opens the door and says, what? (laughs) Now, if you know anything about RVs, the doors are made out of like a sheet aluminum, and the corners are really, really sharp. My nephew Marcus jumped off of there. She opened the door, perfect timing, and it sliced the back of his leg wide open. Like, Megan, don't open the door. What? See, you even feel like that you're there. (laughs) You can just see that happening. Well, all of both these stories, I thought about them because they're so relevant to what I want to talk to you about here today. Revelation chapter 2, and I've got a string of verses. We're not going to read the entire verse, but I think by the time we get done with this string of verses, you will certainly have what we're going to talk about. Uh, You'll have the picture pretty clear. Verse number 7, he that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse number 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse number 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse number 29. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith Unto the churches. Chapter 3, verse number 6. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Verse number 13. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
verse number 22, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Skip up to Revelation chapter 13, Revelation 13 and verse number 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. What I want to talk to you about here this morning is something that I believe is so important. I've mentioned here recently how that as a preacher, sometimes I get very frustrated and heartbroken at the fact that it's very difficult to find anyone today that will really listen. I'm in my mid-50s, and I've been preaching and serving the Lord since I was 20. So even though I still feel like I've, uh, I'm not an old man or an old preacher just yet, I've been around the ministry long enough. I've seen a lot of changes in Christianity. I've seen a lot of changes in church. I've seen a lot of changes in our outreach. And uh, it is so rare and so difficult to find people that will listen. I feel like I'm at the point in life where I really, you know, as a young preacher, you're studying the Bible to figure out what God wants you to say. As you gain some experience in life and ministry, you feel like that you have a whole lot more to say. But as you get older, you find that there's very few people that really want to listen. And I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, listening in the last days. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon the message today. We pray, Father, that, uh, Lord, certainly relevant to the topic, that this entire congregation and those that are listening on live stream both today as well as in the future, Lord, that we will listen to what you have to say. We saw it repeatedly that the Lord Jesus spoke to the churches in the last days. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Lord, uh, please, God, help us to listen. Help us, Father, to, uh, to help more people to start listening to what the Spirit has to say to the churches. There's a lot of spirits that are talking today. A lot of people are listening to all different kinds of spirits, but we need to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. So help us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It's prophesied by the prophet Amos in Amos 8, verse number 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I believe we're in the last days, and I believe that this prophecy is being fulfilled before our very eyes. I believe that it's no, it, it, there's no marvel that Jesus repeatedly said to the churches of the last days in the Revelation, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. God knew that there would come a time where people just simply aren't listening to God. By way of introduction, I want to just give you briefly, and, and I'll do my best to be brief from this, um, a concept that I preached back in May of 2009. It's a message that I preached entitled SAD, S-A-D-D, which stands for Spiritual Attention Deficit Disorder. Uh, I preached it back in 2009 because it needed to be preached. And of course, uh, ADD has become something almost everybody's very familiar with. Uh, we, we talk about children having attention deficit disorder. And, and I am, I'm certain that there are children who, who physiologically have a disorder that they need help with. But I'm also convinced, just like many of the behavioral problems that we have to deal with today, that not all of it is physiological or natural. I believe that much of it is acquired. It's acquired from the dysfunction of the homes in which we live. I am certain, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that the culture that we live in very much attributes to attention deficit disorder. Think about it. We live in a day and age where our mind is always being bombarded with varieties of information. I mean, you watch television, if you watch television today, 
you're going to find every five minutes it's commercial time. And it used to be when I was a kid, it would be maybe one or two commercials. And now it's literally 10 or 15 30-second commercials. And each one of those commercials shows a scene, a scene, a scene. You don't find somebody that just gets up there and talks about the product. It's imagery and statements and music and all all of this different stuff that just floods the mind with so many things. And we are not accustomed in today's culture to have an, uh, any attention whatsoever. Children today are raised on video games. And folks, that does not help attention deficit disorder. Some of you young people, it's like, no, preacher, don't preach on my video games. Listen, we're here to help you. I'm here to help you. There are some things that everybody does and things that are fun and things that are amusing that uh, really, they're not good for you. Certainly not in the long term. So both children and adults have too many things that overstimulate the brain. They keep the brain active, but they distract it from actual profitable thinking and listening. My message back in 2009 had four different points, and I'm just going to throw them your way real quickly. You can take notes. They may help you. Uh, Number one, if you're dealing with spiritual attention deficit disorder, number one, take inventory of your time. Step back and take a look and... Actually, inventory, what am I spending my time on? What am I doing? Am I ever able to be alone with my own thoughts? Listen, you're looking at a man that before I got right with the Lord, uh, I was not good at being alone with my thoughts. I had to stay active. I had to be doing something. I had to stay occupied all the time. Why? Because as soon as I was alone with my own thoughts, I was also alone with the Holy Spirit of God. And I'd start hearing His voice. I'd start feeling that conviction. And in my teenage years, I didn't want to hear that voice. I didn't want to feel that conviction. So I'd just keep brushing God aside and I'd do something. I'd play something. I'd, 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 I'd do something. I'd go fishing. I'd go hunting. I had to stay active doing something at all times because I couldn't handle my own thoughts. Take inventory of your time. Number two, try to be still. We don't do good at being still. You ever notice that most of the wisdom that we quote from people of yesterday, they were from people who actually knew how to be still and do some thinking and be in touch and in tune with the Holy Spirit of God? Number three, expose your heart and mind to the Word of God. Do it daily. Spend time in prayer and devotion and reading the Scripture You say, preacher, I read the Bible and I don't understand what I'm reading. Read it anyway. Read it. Stay in it. Make sure that it stays in you. Make sure that you're thinking about it. You say, I don't understand what I'm reading. You know, most people use that as a cop-out. Maybe you don't have to understand everything about what you read, but maybe you just read something. It's like, I don't understand what that is. Uh, how, how often do I find people that actually try to find the answer and figure it out? No, they want it to just all come so quickly and easily. And God didn't write His Word so that it just came easy. It's supposed to be studied. It's supposed to be line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. Uh, number four, my point was clean the garage. You say, What does cleaning your garage have to do with spiritual attention deficit disorder? Well, the the point is, is we get overwhelmed with things in our life that are out of order and things that are on the back burner that just keep piling up until we just, we don't even know where to start. Our life and our mind and our thoughts are so cluttered, and we know that they're that way. We know we've got to somehow get our life in order and organized, but we don't know where to start. You know, when I get that way, I just find something. Usually it's the garage, because that's what gets out of order. You you know that um, 
that we've been able to do something that for most of my life was an impossibility, and that is park our car in our garage. I grew up with, you know, that's a futile thing. You don't park your car in your garage. There's no room for it because the garage is the catch-all and it never stays organized. And so finally I figured out, hey, they're for cars and it's really nice to be able to park your car in your garage. So start somewhere and start clearing some of that out. Check something off of your back burner list. And then when you get that done, then move on to the next don't get overwhelmed by everything in your life that's out of order or what you're behind in. You know, if you get in debt financially, you know what you got to do? You just got to start somewhere and start chipping away at it. You cannot let yourself get overwhelmed by too many things that just seem like you can't handle. And these are all reasons why I believe that God's people are suffering from SAD, spiritual attention deficit disorder. But I remind you that Jesus said, as we read on numerous, numerous occasions, he that hath ears, let him hear. Let's take a look here this morning. Let's examine some causes for spiritual hearing loss. Now I have some hearing loss, so to speak. Uh, I, I can hear volume just fine. But uh, sometimes, not as often as I should, I, I actually have hearing aids that I wear. Not as often as my wife would like me to wear them. I'll let you figure that one out. I, I guess I don't like wearing them. I don't know. I just don't like things sticking in my ears. And, you know, if you don't wear them all the time, your ears, they just itch. How many of you wear hearing aids and they itch? All right, several of you know what I'm talking about. The problem is, if I get used to them, then that kind of goes away. That doesn't bother me. But then I'll get a bad habit, and I won't wear them, and then I do wear them, and then they itch, and I'm just starting back over. That's kind of my hearing loss life cycle, so to speak. But um, the I went and got a hearing test years ago, and the doctor asked me a question. He said, did you shoot guns a lot when you were younger? Uh, yeah, all the time. Did you wear hearing protection? What's that? I mean, when I grew up, nobody wore hearing protection when you shoot. You just We just went out and shot. That's what everybody did in Idaho. So... Anyhow, he, he knew that that was the root of some of my hearing loss. And my hearing loss is not that I can't hear volume, it's that I can't understand what people are saying. And so I have some hearing aids that certainly help with that. And, um, and so I know a little bit about hearing loss, but I also know, just like you, that I know a thing or two about spiritual hearing loss. The first point I want to bring to you this morning has to do with the diagnosis of the great physician. I went to a hearing loss doctor, and I got actually diagnosed with a test. And if you've ever had a hearing test, they put these headphones on you, and you're listening for different frequencies of beeps in your right ear and your left ear, and you've got a little little thing in your hand, and you push the button when you hear it. And so, I mean, I'm straining. It's like, I don't want to fail this test. If you can't hear it, you can't hear it. You know, the doctor said, can you hear that? No. I mean, I could fake it, but he would know that, right? Probably. Even if I did fake it, I mean, it's like, it's like going and, and uh, cheating on your eye exam. How dumb is that? You know, if I don't, if I don't cheat on this eye exam, they're not going to let me drive. Oh, well, thanks a lot. You're going to go, you need, you need glasses or you don't have the vision to drive and you're going to go be on the road. Um, thanks a lot. <laughs> you don't cheat on these types of tests. And we have a great physician. You know who the great physician is. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. I have been misdiagnosed by doctors. Uh, I have had doctors misdiagnose my problem and end up causing me a whole lot worse problems than I ever started with. 
And that goes with the territory. That happened. I mean, mechanics sometimes do that. We did it just this past week, or I guess a week ago, week and a half ago, is we had problems with our washing machine. It broke down. And so it, it gives a code, and it told us what the problem was. It was the lower drain. I found a lower drain pump on Amazon for $26. I bought it. I replaced it. It really was a piece of cake. It wasn't hard at all. It still wouldn't work. It's given a different code. And so anyhow, we had we finally called the repairman. He comes out, and he does a bunch of testing, and he says, it's your control board. So great. How much is that? Well, let me check. They don't make them anymore, and we can't find one. So to make a long story short, all we could do is we found a used one on eBay, and we got it shipped to us all the way from across the country. It arrived two days later. I put that control board in, hooked up all the wires. Guess what? It still didn't work. And so we called the repairman back out, and he's checking out all of these different things. And you know what happened is it wasn't the control board, and it wasn't the pump. None of those were the problems, but what happened, it was something else. And then once they fixed that, it still wouldn't work because the pump that I ordered off of Amazon was defective. And so, I mean, in trying to chase down problems, I created some problems along the way. If you've done any mechanicing, or if you are in the healthcare profession, you know that sometimes their misdiagnosis take place. You're, you're very limited. You look at the symptoms and you try to figure out what's going on. And sometimes the cure the, for the wrong problem can end up creating more problems than a person had to begin with. Well, Jesus never misdiagnosed anybody's problem. This great physician knows everything about us. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 9, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given." And he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they, seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. You know, one thing that you need to understand about God is that God, our Creator, our king, the Lord of the universe, is not up in heaven trying to make everything easy for us. He does not spoil his children. And just like I said a few minutes ago, there are people who say, well, I just don't understand the Bible. I don't understand what God's trying to say to me. God has set it up, this entire Bible, and and really the more that you get into this book... There are some things that become so simple, and yet you also find out that there are some things that the further you dive into this, it just opens up layers of knowledge and layers of understanding, and you soon discover that I'm never going to master this entire book. I'm never going to find that vein of gold and mine it all out. There's always going to be gold to mine out of the Scripture. God set it up so that the people who really want the truth can get it, but the people that are just casual and really don't have a heart for it, it's just going to go over their head. And Jesus is making that point very clear. The Pharisees did not understand what Jesus was saying, but the disciples, uh, they got the explanation, so to speak. Verse number 15, for this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. If you've got a knife, what makes your knife dull? Using it, right? And so how do we get dull of hearing? Well, I I read about this, that there's actually a form of deafness in which a person can hear everything but words. The problem is not in the ear, but it's in the brain. 
This person can read a book as understandingly as ever, but every word through the ear reaches his consciousness only as garbled sound and none of it as intelligent speech. You know what happens with this dullness of hearing? It's really quite simple, and I believe that we are living in a generation, especially in our culture today. You go to different parts of the country, and they don't have the Bible truth that we have here in Iredell County. But listen, literally today, how many thousands of people that you know of are sitting in a church service today where at least allegedly there's some type of a, uh, some type of a, of a, a semblance given to the scripture, to the Bible, to the word of God. And I know that churches that actually put the Bible out are getting fewer and further between. But still, there is the knowledge of God that people are accustomed to here in our community. But yet we look around and I don't see it affecting our society to a very large degree, do you? When I go into a public place, doesn't matter if it's a store or a restaurant, doesn't matter where we are at, you look around and you just think, wow, we are not a Christian nation anymore. And I know some of you are maybe, and listen, I'm patriotic. I love my country, but I love what this country is supposed to be. I do not love what this country has become. Because I look around and I see a nation that is pagan. Hey, think about it. How many people actually walk down the marriage aisle as virgins, pure? It's rare. It's like... Wow, what, what new thing is this? The world looks at that and thinks that's crazy. The attire, the nakedness, the lack of modesty and the lack of shame. It's just, I mean, you see things in public that's just, it's embarrassing. By the way, I'm going to say it, I've said it before, I, I don't care what you call them, tights or leggings, they are underwear. Wear them underneath clothes, but they're not clothes. They show everything. I mean, you wouldn't call it clothing if you just put a coat of paint on your bare skin, would you? Because that's all that it does. It just adds color, but it doesn't hide anything. It got quiet in here. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, the way that even you see people dressed in churches today, you know what Solomon would say? He'd say, that's the attire of an harlot. And let's just be honest about it, that it hasn't been that many years ago that what people wear, what people wear to church today, they would have associated them with the person on the street. The prostitute, if you will. Oh, I'm sorry. Now they call them sex workers. Can you believe that? Y'all are getting quiet on me again. You know what we have? We have dull of hearing. What is dull of hearing? It's too much hearing and not enough application. We know what the preacher's going to say. We've heard it before. We've ignored it before. And the more that we ignore it, the easier it becomes to ignore. And we don't have a tender heart. We don't say, what does the Bible say? Pastor, tell me what thus saith the Lord, because I'm hungry. I want to know how God wants me to live my life. No, we don't have that today. We have, I'm okay with the way that I am. Don't be meddling, preacher. What do you know? Who are you to judge? Tell you what, the preacher is supposed to be a man that walks with God and is in touch and in tune with the Holy Spirit, not with the spirit of this age. And what men of God are trying to do is trying to get God's people to turn away from the spirit of this world and start living according to the spirit of God once again. 
So there is such a thing that Jesus diagnoses as being dull of hearing. Look at Matthew 13 and verse number 18. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath uh, no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Hey, what mainstream Christian today is actually suffering any tribulation or persecution because of their identify, their identifying with Jesus Christ. When's the last time that you saw that? The problem is that mainstream Christianity is not biblical Christianity. Mainstream Christianity today is so much like the world that there's no persecution, there's no reproach. Hey, people that are living and preaching biblical Christianity, what are they accused of today? Pharisees, haters, judgmental, you name it, you go right down the line. But mainstream Christianity, they're not suffering any persecution. And so what's happened today is you you don't have people that are being offended because... There's no reproach. It's been taken away. And so they stay right in church. They continue to claim to be Christians. But their Christianity doesn't really change a whole lot in their life. If you look at them, take a Christian family today and put them, compare them to a lost family, there's really not a whole lot of difference today. Folks, that's a problem. And Jesus is diagnosing it as the hardness of heart. I've never been a farmer, but I've worked for farmers, grew up in farm country out west, and I've had to dig post holes, and I've had to try to dig through stuff out west we called hard pan. Now, one thing I will say about the soil here, this clay soil, I mean, you go down, you don't even have to go down an inch, and it starts getting pretty hard, especially if it's been dry and there's been very little rain. But I will say this, this clay, you can chip away at it with a digging bar. In Idaho, we would dig a post hole and boy, you could go, you could go 12 inches down and think, oh, this is going to be an easy job. I'm going to knock this out in an hour. I'm going to go back to the, the boss and say, I'm done. What else you got for me to do? And then after about 12 inches and you got to go 24. After about 12 inches, that digging bar or those post hole diggers go, thunk, thunk, and they hit a layer of dirt called hard pan that is very much like concrete. Even a heavy digging bar is just bouncing off of it, and you've got to chip away and chip away. It's rough stuff. And you know, I believe that in the last days, people aren't listening. We've got dull dullness of hearing, we've got hard hearts, and the Word of God is like a seed, and there's just nothing, it's just laying on top of the surface. People go to church, and they hear the preaching, but those seeds are just laying on the surface because the heart is as hard as hard pan. In Matthew 13 and verse number 20 here, but he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and with joy receiveth it, yet hath no root in himself. You've got wayside soil, stony soil, thorny ground, and then you've got good ground. Let me throw this in for free because this, this is the last days. Mark chapter 10, verse number 5. It says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. If you're familiar with your Bible, you know what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the Pharisees coming and saying, hey, didn't Moses say that a man can put away his wife for every cause? You know, they're thinking, hey, if if I'm unhappy with my wife, 
If it's not going my way, Moses said, I can just write her a bill of divorcement and I can be done with it and move on. Jesus clarifies why Moses wrote that. He said he did it for the hardness of your heart. You know, the heart can get so hard that the Lord just looks and says, you know what, you're not going to fix this. You're making, you, you, there's nothing more that can be done to fix this. And so I guess we just try to make the best of it. But the Lord says that it's because of hardness of heart. And we certainly see a lot of divorce in our culture today. And I believe in the last days, it's because we have a lot of hard hearts. The Bible doesn't have to be understood to be loved, but it has to be loved to be understood. It all comes down to the heart. And if you love God and you love the Bible, then your heart will become good soil to receive that seed so that it can grow and make a difference. The Bible, uh, the great physician diagnoses the uh, hearing problems, spiritual hearing problems in Acts 7 verse 51 as some people having a stiff neck. Uh, Stephen here preaching, he says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. Having a stiff neck is when the Holy Spirit is speaking, but we just keep resisting and resisting. And then, of course, there's what the what I call spiritual dementia. Spiritual dementia. Dementia is not a, not a pleasant disease for anyone, not the person who has it or for the family, the loved ones around him. But there is a spiritual dementia. James talks about it in James 1, verse number 22. He says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was." We have a lot of spiritual dementia today. Once again, people come to church. They hear the preaching. Down deep they know, I need to change. I need to fix this. But instead they leave thinking, okay, I know I've got some problems, but I'm better than I was yesterday because I went to church. And really almost church is like paying penance. And I don't really enjoy church, but I know I'm supposed to and I have to, so I go and I endure it, and it makes me feel a little bit better because maybe God's not mad at me. You know, you know what we have? We have a generation of people who don't want to love and serve God. They just want to do enough to keep God from getting mad at them. That's spiritual dementia. C.H. Spurgeon said agreement without application produces frustration. I mean, you you take it, people who agree with the Word of God or agree with the preacher, but never uh, just forget about it and never personally apply it, you're going to get frustrated eventually. And, And I think that most people that end up drifting away from church and quit going to church, it's because they weren't getting what they were supposed to get out of church for a long time. And they start thinking, you know what, my life's no different whether I'm in church or out of church. Hey, the problem isn't church. The problem isn't the preacher. The problem is the heart. And that's where in these last days it needs to change. In James 1 verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You want the Word of God to work in your life? Then stop being a forgetful hearer and start being a doer of the Word. And so these are some things that the great physician in his Word diagnoses the, the problem with, uh, with loss of spiritual hearing loss today. Uh, We talked about dull of hearing, a hard heart, a stiff neck, spiritual dementia. And that brings me to my second point here this morning. And this is my last point. And that is what's called selective hearing. Selective hearing. You're looking at a man that has a lot of selective hearing. 
My wife's not feeling well today, but if she was here, she'd be saying, Amen. Selective hearing is the ability to listen to a single speaker while in a crowded or loud environment. You might also hear it referred to as selective auditory attention, or some call it the cocktail party effect. What causes selective hearing? Selective hearing refers to when a person appears to only hear what is important to them. It has nothing to do with hearing acuity. It happens due to the way the brain prioritizes sounds, and children, when too many sounds source, sound sources bombard the brain, the brain reacts by tuning out what seems less important. I, I, how often? I, I told my wife just yesterday, or two days ago, and, and this was, I wasn't even thinking about this sermon, but she, she had to repeat something that she'd said, and you know, she's, she'll be in the kitchen, and she talks to our dog a lot. And I'm sitting in my recliner. Maybe I'm reading something. Maybe I'm what Of course, when I'm watching TV, I'm reading because I have the closed caption on. Because I have, I don't understand what they're saying. And so what happens, she's talking to the dog. And I don't know that she's talking to me. She said, did you hear what I said? I said, no. I thought you were talking to the dog. I told her two days ago, I said, look. When our dog is dead, you're going to find my hearing loss isn't near as bad as we thought it was. <laughs> and, and, and there's some truth to that. Because it's like I'm, I'm, my brain's preoccupied, and if anybody knows me, they know that I am, I am not a multitasker. I am a one-track-minded person to a fault. And so I have to block everything out, and I can only really focus on one thing at a time. Well, is there such a thing as selective hearing as a spiritual condition? I think there is. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Verse number 3, it says, For the time will come... Once again, we're talking about the last days here. Isn't it amazing how this book is all put together and fits together so well? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." What is a fable? A fable is a nice little story that has a moral lesson behind it. And folks, in the modern church today, the pulpits are full of fable preaching, lots of stories, lots of illustrations, lots of cool, relate-to-people type stuff, but not a lot of Bible doctrine. Why? Because that's what the way that people want it. You know, people, years ago, they said, we want our music in the church. Hey, we'll come to youth group if you'll just play the kind of music that we can relate to. And the whole thing that, you know, the Christian world as a general whole thought, oh, this is a cool idea. We're reaching people. We're getting more people in our church and getting more people in our youth group. And listen, there are churches in our community that are just like that. And I mean, they're busting out the seams and getting ready to have to build new buildings and so forth. But if you really examine what they've got going on, you go, wow, that's not, that's not godly. Yes, it's success, but there's a difference between success and Christian fruit. Christian fruit is going to produce holiness. Christian fruit is going to affect what God is doing in your heart, not just where your body happens to be on a particular event, Sunday morning, etc. They shall turn their ears from the truth and be turned into fables. A famous orator once addressed the people of Athens who paid little attention to his speech. He asked their permission to tell them of one of Aesop's fables. After their consent, he began, quote, 
Demeter was traveling in company with a swallow and an eel. When they reached the bank of the river, the swallow flew up into the air and the eel plunged into the water. At this point, he stopped what, for what seemed like minutes. They all demanded, well, what about it, Demeter? The order, order replied, uh, he is angry with you because you disregard important affairs, but are all ears for Aesop's fables. You know, he tricked them. He didn't have a fable for him. He said, you know, I'm trying to give you truth, important stuff, but you don't even care. And that's what we see in Christianity today. The appetite of the ears is determined by the attitude of the heart. Now, we just read here that there would come a time when people would reject sound doctrine and would want fables. Well, since we're talking about sound doctrine... I want you to turn just a few pages over to the book of Titus, chapter number 2. Titus, chapter number 2, and what we find here is what the Bible refers to as sound doctrine. So often, the average believer today, when he hears the word doctrine, he thinks about some deep truth, like, you know, the, the, the return of Jesus Christ or something that is, you know, really deep and intelligent doctrine. The, and, and we could talk about a lot of those, but what the Bible refers to as sound doctrine has more to do with our behavior than it has to do with finding something new and clever from the Bible. Verse one, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. What are they? Verse number two, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, why that the word of God be not blasphemed. Boy, you talk about some cross-cultural truths right here. This ought to prove that we're living in the day when people have turned from sound doctrine and they just want their fables. Verse 6, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Why does the word of God and the gospel seem to have very little effect on people today? A lot of it has to do with the fact that people don't see much difference in Christians. We're representing Christ and people that... They don't see any of this happening. The word of God is being blasphemed. So it doesn't have any power. There's no oomph to it. Verse 9, exert, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Wait a minute. Listen, if I don't like what my boss is doing, I'm going to go to my union representative and I'm going to complain. That's not what God's sound doctrine says. God's sound doctrine says, look, if you've got an employer, do what they say. Boy, it got quiet again on me. Verse 10, not purloining. Purloining is taking things dishonestly. Listen, if you're able to work, don't cash a government check. What is wrong with you? Well, I can make more money. I can get free money, and it's more than what I can make working. Go to work. You're stealing. You're taking something that you don't need. It's called purloining. But showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. God's children, God's people... I mean, we're supposed to be adorned. People should look at us. They may not like us, but they should be able to recognize that, hey, they're not listening to the same spirit that I'm listening. They must be listening to the Bible because they sure act real holy. They may mean it derogatory, but hey, we can take it as a compliment. Verse 11, 
Producer Jed Harris became convinced that he was losing his hearing. He went to a specialist who gave him a thorough checkup. The doctor pulled out a gold watch and asked, Can you hear this ticking? Harris said, Of course. The specialist walked to the door and held up the watch again. Now can you hear it? Harris concentrated and said, Yes, I can hear it clearly. The doctor walked out the door to the next room and said, Can you hear it now? Harris said, Yes. The doctor replied, Mr. Harris, there's nothing wrong with your hearing. You just don't listen. In John chapter 5 and verse number 37, And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. What are the Pharisees doing? They're hearing what they want to hear. A fool is one who draws wrong conclusions from the right premises. The deceived are those who draw conclusions from faulty precepts. We've got a lot of deceived people and a lot of fools here in the latter days. The further that they go, the more that they are out of the way of truth. Once again, back in the late 40s and early 50s, Christianity just shifted just a little bit. You can study it out for yourself. The big crusades, they changed their methodology. It was a, it was a counter revival against the fundamentalists and the movement that said, Hey, we're going to do things according to the Bible. And they started just mixing in just a little bit of leaven in the lump. Hey, let's have this worldly entertainer come in and that'll draw people into our crusade and then we'll preach the gospel to them. Hey, many people got saved because of that little tweak in methodology. The worldly entertainer was probably somebody that we would consider pretty innocent. But now you go to these quote-unquote outreaches today, and it's not just a worldly entertainer, it's an all-out flesh fest. The further you go... I mean, you just shift courses just a little bit. Doesn't really show up today or tomorrow or next week, but as time goes on, you just get further and further away. And the further away from you, that you get from the right path, the more and more, hey, God's still speaking, but we're so far away that we don't even hear His voice. How about verse 41? I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seeketh not the honor that cometh from God only? I'll tell you, I'm amazed at the politics that have filled Christianity today. There are a lot of preachers that what they preach and how they preach is all just what's what's going to get me a meeting, what's going to get me a good love offering. Well, if I preach this, then they're not going to invite me back. Or if I if I say, yeah, this is what I believe, then this camp over here, they're going to say, they're going to ostracize me. And the whole thing becomes nothing more than politics And that is, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. That's the game that they were playing. They weren't saying, God, I'm listening. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to believe. Instead, they were looking around and saying, what makes us look the best? And that is what the church has become today. In conclusion, talking about listening, all kinds of different problems that cause us to not listen to God, but I, um, where I get my hair cut, the gentleman's from the New York area, I believe Brooklyn, originally of uh, Puerto Rican nationality, and so he's bilingual. And uh, he's got another gentleman that cuts hair there in his shop, 
who's from Dominican Republic who doesn't speak much English at all. And very frequently, I'll be getting my hair cut, and we'll be having a conversation in English, and then, you know, we don't talk the whole time, so it'll get kind of quiet. Next thing you know, I'll hear that he's speaking to the fellow barber, haircutter, in Spanish. And they're just going on in Spanish. And you know what I find that I do? I just tune it out, because I have no idea what they're saying and so I just tune it out, and then I'm, I'm in my own thoughts. have no idea what they're saying. Why? Because there's a language barrier. Folks, there are many, and maybe someone here today, that you don't listen to God because there's a language barrier. In John 10, verse number 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. You may not be listening to God today because you're not one of his sheep and you don't understand his language. You hear the voice, you hear the sound, but none of it is intelligible in your heart or in your mind, so you just keep going. You come to church, but you never really truly listen to the word of God or the Holy Spirit. It might be a language barrier, and if you've got a language barrier, you need to become one of the Lord's sheep. You need to repent, and you need to get saved so that you can hear the Word of God. An unnamed poet said it like this, His thoughts were slow, his words were few, and never formed to glisten, but he was a joy to all his friends. You should have heard him listen. We need to be better listeners of the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit and for the Bible. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that does indeed speak to us. No doubt, Lord, we live in the last days and... There's a famine in the land. But Lord, I pray that we as your people would not be part of that famine. I pray, God, if anyone here today has not been listening to you, I pray, God, that something has been said that has diagnosed their problem. Perhaps being dull of hearing, a hard heart, being too far away that we cannot hear. Perhaps maybe just a selective hearing, tuning out what we don't want to hear, focusing on what we want to hear. Whatever the case may be, I pray, Father, that the message today has made a difference and will make a difference in hearts and lives. Have your will and way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain seated with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'd like to encourage you this morning to either make an altar right there where you're at and talk to God. Get your heart right with the Lord if you've not been listening to Him. God's pinpointed the cause, then deal with it. Don't ignore Him. Don't let His words be like water on a duck's back. Let Him in. Let Him in your heart. Make a decision. Make a commitment. If you'd like to come down to the altar, we invite you to do so. A lot of people... That's what they need to do. Come down and make a public commitment. A lot of people have done business with God at an old-fashioned altar. It's, it's open. You're invited to come. doesn't matter to me whether you come forward or you do business with God right where you're at. But please, do business with God. Don't keep ignoring Him. Don't be part of this generation that's turned to fables today.